Hi, this is Bob McElligot, and it's time once again to take one of our programs from this Blue Jacket season and turn it into a podcast for you. Hockey for Her is brought to you by Myers Jewelers. It's being moderated by Allison Lucan and will feature Nick and Janelle Felino along with Cam and Natalie Atkinson. And here to start things off is Andy Boyman, Director of Fan Development and Community Programs for the Blue Jackets. Our Hockey for Her platform um, is really important to the organization and it's designed to highlight areas of our game that are unique to women um, and to spotlight connections for all women to be able to connect to our sport, whether you're a new fan, a hockey expert, play the sport, et cetera. Um, what we wanted to make sure, you know, that you guys at home that are watching knew is that, you know, the Hockey For Her platform is really a way to foster a community for women seeking to find out more information about our sport, as well as connect with other women who uh, share the same enthusiasm for hockey and the CBJ. So speaking of women, hockey and enthusiasm, we could not think of a better moderator for tonight's webinar than Allison Lucan. Allison may be familiar, yes, <laughs> Allison may be familiar to some as uh, she was one of our featured guests for Hockey for Her back in 2018. Um, Allison is a freelance writer who covers the NHL and the Columbus Blue Jackets. She specializes in data-driven storytelling in the world of hockey, which is super unique. Um, she has covered the Blue Jackets for nine years, writing for Fox Sports, Yahoo Sports, and the team website, among other outlets. She's born and raised in Ohio, has a degree in leadership studies from the University of Richmond. So Allison, I'd like to welcome you back to Hockey for Her and pass the puck to you as tonight's moderator, Allison, the rink is all yours. <laughs> well, thank you, Andy. And if you talk about passing the puck, um, there's a reason I play defense and not forward when I play. Um, so I will try my best to receive that puck. And, and thank you and thank the organization for allowing me to be part of this. Um, this is such a special night and I don't want to take any more time about myself. I want to welcome our very special guests. Um, someone who is a pillar of the hockey community here someone who is leaving a mark in so many ways, someone who everyone I'm sure on this Zoom meeting knows tonight. Um, and that is Janelle Felino. Janelle, yeah. welcome. We're so glad to have you. Thank you. I was expecting you to say Nick. <laughs> I well, knew. I was going to say your husband, Nick, is here as well. <laughs> I like that intro, Allison. I like that a lot. Nick Felino, husband of Janelle Felino. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And, and before we get to you, we have a ton of questions. We thank all of our guests, um, attendees who have submitted some questions as well. To add to Andy's comments, if questions come to mind as you're enjoying our conversation tonight, please do feel free to pop those in the Q&A in Zoom. We will try to get to some of those. And also, depending on what you're seeing in your Zoom in the top right corner, there is a view button that will allow you to toggle between speaker and gallery if you'd like to see everyone who's talking all at once um, or just whoever's speaking at the time. Um, but enough housekeeping. Janelle, this has been such a significant year for you. You have always shared so prominently the story of your daughter, Milana, and you've turned that into a book that has become an outreach of not just her story, but a story of heart health and, and the power of those who battle through those journeys. How did this idea come to you, share this whole foundation that you've created over, you know, this pandemic seemed to calm so many things, but you really flourished and brought so many things to life. Yeah, thank you. I think I often say that it came about organically because 
It was never something that I decided on and then followed steps to get to. It was something that came from nothing and sort of tumbled into something else each step that it took. So um, Milana had to undergo her second open heart surgery two years ago now. And when she was recovering from her surgery, I wrote her a poem in my phone. Um, I often write when I wanna like speak out my emotions and stuff. I often say that I'm better at writing than saying it out loud. So I would write a lot, I would journal. And I just wrote her a poem um, kind of as if she was writing it and how I would want her to feel about her experience and what she had gone through because being older now, and undergoing open heart surgery was a lot different than when she was a baby because she was prepared for it and she knew what was coming. So that was a little bit more difficult for me to plan for, to make her feel comfortable. And so um, writing that poem was a way for me to heal in a way. It was a cathartic type um, situation, I guess. And I wanted her to have it. And so it lived in my phone and I didn't quite know how I wanted to get it to her. I was thinking originally I would print it and put it in a frame and put it in her room. And it just really was small that like that. And then I ended up meeting um, an illustrator that I then emailed and asked her like, hey, would you bring my poem to life? And then I thought I want to make a book for Milana. And that's how it started. And then in talking with Nick and um, family members, they were like, I think more people would want this story and I think you can impact more people. So then we decided, okay, we're gonna print more books and whatever money we make from it, we will donate to heart-related organizations. And then it kind of snowballed in our minds, like, well, if we're gonna do that, like we, we've known since our personal donation a few years back, we've known we wanted to continue to give and we didn't quite know how. And so this was a way, a transition kind of to be like, okay, well, let's then make our own foundation. We wanted it to be cross-border so we can impact in Canada where we're from and then also on the U.S. side. And so then the idea for the foundation came. So it all just kind of followed without really a plan. But in the end, it really worked out well. And um, it's been so well received. We feel really blessed and we just feel honored to be able to to make an impact and try to help as many families as we can. And Janelle, you are humble to a fault, but we also know a ton of work went into this and you've shared, um, we've talked before, even some of the thought that went into the marketing of this, making sure you had a social platform. What are some of the intentional things you're doing? Um, I know you've given books to some hospitals and, and the marketing efforts that you're doing. How are you really making sure that this message gets to the people that that need to hear it, the people who are maybe going through this, this journey on their own as well? I think I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody who is might be looking for something like that. Um, and in a sense, I am in those shoes because I'm a heart mom. And so there is quite an online presence of heart moms. I remember when Milana was first diagnosed, it was big on Facebook where there were a lot of Facebook groups that I would follow and speak to different parents and moms um, through those platforms. And so I'm just trying to translate it in a way where if somebody is out there looking for advice or heartfelt type messages, um, that that's how they could find us, I guess. And, and information too, yeah, research. information on the research and doctors. And I feel like 
my brain is spinning faster than what I can put out there. There's so many things we want to do that we slowly have to um, organize and roll out. But a big part of what we want to do is try to give information um, because that's how it started for us. We were introduced to somebody who then put wheels in motion for us to meet the doctors that eventually perform Milana surgery. And we hadn't, we wouldn't have known about them had we not been in contact with that person. So we want to be that for somebody if we can. And um, so it's, it's really just happening as, as things come to us, we just put it out. Luckily, um, Nick's sisters are both in marketing. So they're trying to help me a little bit because I don't have a background in that at all. I, if it were up to me, I probably wouldn't have even done like as much social media as I have but they were like no you have to now <laughs> so um they've been really helpful and um yeah we're just trying to share our story and make a difference as we go along I guess Nick you know this is something that I always we we have the opportunity people in my role to see more of you all behind the scenes than just what maybe fans see on the ice and you know, maybe a fan sees, you know, this, this is Janelle, this is your wife, this is the mother of three wonderful children. What, what can you tell people who are attending tonight? Who is Janelle? How powerful is this experience? What, what strength brought her to this place to be a published international author? Well, she has bad eyesight for once. <laughs> she ended up with me, but uh, no, I, I think, I think you could you could hear it in the way she speaks, you know, and I think that's what obviously drew me to her is that she is a she wears her heart on her sleeve and she cares so much about people. And I think just going on that, we met young. I mean, I was 18, she was 19. I don't want to tell her that people that she was older. I might have screwed up just now, but, um, but we've been on this journey together and it's been so neat for me to see all the intangibles that she had at a young age now being put to use and, you know, becoming a wife and having to sacrifice a lot for my job. Um, but then now having her own and, and, and the sense of raising three incredible children, it has a lot to do with her, but then also she values herself in that she, she's got an education. She worked extremely hard for that and, and wants to put that to good use and has found a way through some pretty difficult and trying times, uh, to, to create this platform that she can now use her. She's a teacher, you know, that's what her, her profession is. And now she's using that to kind of help the rest of the world and teach and inspire and it inspires me, it inspires our children. Um, so, you know, that's who she is. She's a person that is uh, selfless, um, puts herself uh, under everyone else, you know, is, is, I think that's what a lot of mothers do in general, but uh, has been a, a rock in our family and is starting to now show that to the world. And I'm so thrilled. I mean, this is as much as I get, you know, probably talked about, about the Hearts Playbook, this is her baby. It's another one of her babies. And it's so fun for me to be on the side of cheerleader, you know, and, and I, and I don't get me wrong. I'm right in there. I'm going to the post office and dropping off books. I'm, I'm an errand boy now, but I, I just love that her passion. I can see her passion. Like she sees what I have for hockey and what we do together. Um, her passion for this and, and why she's doing it. And, uh, you know, just to see the look on our daughter's face who now is understanding her journey and, and is proud of herself, you know, from something so scary that was the biggest thing I think as parents we wanted to teach her was you should be proud of this. You know, absolutely. It's, it was scary and, but you got through it. You're a strong woman because of a strong young girl because of it. Um, and we wanted her to have that and we're starting to see that develop in her and it's probably the most beautiful thing. And we hope that this, you know, our foundation or anything will help inspire that next child, whether it be a boy or girl or another family to feel that way as well. 
And you, I mean, Nick, you know, I tease you all the time. Milana should have her own TV show or YouTube channel. <laughs> like, what, what can you share she with us? She would love that, by the way. She would love that. <laughs> I am here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> what can you share with us? How is she doing? How is, how is her life right now? Uh, she is a seven-year-old going on 20. Um, yeah, she, she's doing awesome. You know, I think this, this pandemic has uh, allowed us time, especially me, time to, to be around my kids and, and just to watch them grow and to see their personalities. And there's been a lot of us time. You know? So, uh, but she is a, a beautiful seven-year-old, uh, is in second grade, is enjoying her time and uh, is keeping her younger brothers humble. Uh, but it's just so great to see her healthy and thriving. And I think as parents, that's all you ever want to see out of your kids, regardless of whatever health issue they may have. You just want to see them doing well. And we can truly say that she is. So we, we know how many people we have along the way to thank because of that. And uh, it's just really enjoyable to see it and, and uh, you know, hopefully for many years to come. Janelle, as the teacher that you are, we did have some questions from our attendees tonight. Obviously, the, the celebrity that you both enjoy has afforded you opportunity to really raise awareness for these efforts and for the cause that you're, you're raising support for. Our attendees wanted to know, as a parent, how do you manage that lesson with your kids? You know, what, what do they think dad does? How do they think dad is just dad versus maybe what a fan thinks when they see him walking down the street or in a restaurant or after a game? Yeah, I think now that they're getting a little bit older, they're starting to understand it a little bit more. When they were younger, it was, I think it was two completely separate things. I I didn't bring them to as many games when they were little either, just because of the timing of them. And with Milana, we didn't really go out in public as much with her immune system and stuff at first. And so I think it was completely separate. Like they knew dad went to work. I don't think they fully grasped all of it, but now that they're getting older, and they've fallen in love with the game of hockey and they love watching Nick play. But it's funny to see too, like their favorite players on the team, like aren't necessarily. I was just going to say, that. who are they? We would like to know. Beth Jones, <laughs> Cam Atkinson. I mean, any, I think I'm like 22nd, 23rd on the list. So uh, yeah. they really like Elvis Merzlakens and uh, uh, Jonas Corposal, just I think for their names more than anything. Uh, it's pretty funny. But I think them growing up this way, and we try to have a lot of communication with our kids just in all aspects, but also with this, because he will get approached in public and stuff. And of course, he's always graceful and we, we want him to be. And so he's taking pictures and stuff. And the kids at first, they don't quite, I don't think, understand it. But now Milana will like, I think so-and-so wants a, wants an autograph. And she's like <laughs> kind of working She's like the, the room. she's like the agent. Yeah, she's like the agent and, um, and they want to get in the photos sometimes. And so, but one big thing that we've always tried to instill in them and Nick had that growing up with his dad playing hockey was just um, how blessed we are to live the life that we're living because of what dad does and um, that platform that he has and uh, so just trying to instill them to be grateful and thankful and just to always, um, I don't know, I guess be humble through it all. Like, I don't know if yeah, you would add anything that, to that so. and just, yeah. Um, but they love it. They talk about it at school. And um, <laughs> like I said, it's more so the other guys, all the uncles, they have got like so many uncles because the guys are always, these they're harder on me than torts. Trust me, I'm home after a loss. It's, it's never fun. You lost. What happened? <laughs> so 
Yeah, they're uh, they're a little too educated, I'd say, right now. We gotta <laughs> pull back the highlights. I think. <laughs> I want to make sure we um, put a bow on the Hearts Playbook and the work that you're doing there, Janelle. You know, all of us have personal causes, battles, or journeys that we've seen loved ones face. What can you share with those of us who maybe aren't as familiar with concerns of the heart, heart disease? Where should we be going for information? What should we know about the state of making sure that those who are battling those kinds of conditions are getting support? We can support more research. How can we all get involved more? Yeah, so I think um, most of us are familiar with the American Heart Association. They've got such a wonderful presence in mostly um, adult type heart disease and stuff and they're bringing in the CHD which is congenital heart defect as well and um, there are so many different smaller organizations that work for the awareness of congenital heart defects and disease and um, I think in the last few years they're really building up momentum and so creating the hearts playbook for us was just to try to help that cause and not to say that we're, we don't want to separate ourselves from any of that. We want to get right into like, we're involved with the American Heart Association. We're involved with um, an organization called Conquering CHD. And we want to learn as much as we can about all of the organizations that can surround. Um, because, you know, it wasn't really on our radar before our daughter was born and diagnosed. And um, I feel bad in a way about that because then you start to realize how common it is. It's actually the number one birth defect. It's the most common birth defect of all birth defects. And one of four children that are diagnosed are actually pretty critical. And so um, just in coming to that world now, we just wanna try to create as much awareness and support. And so I think either through our organization or, or some of those organizations that I mentioned. Um, the biggest thing from what I've talked with some of these leaders of these organizations is the awareness and also like you mentioned the research because um, even just in the last five to seven years since Milana's first surgery there's been so many advancements and to try to stay on top of that and we want to try to relay that to um, and so it's, it's ever changing and the technology is incredible. We've been able to be on calls with some surgeons and doctors and just to see the amazing work that they continuously do and they're not stopping. And so we don't want to stop either. And so I guess I would just say to find one of those organizations and follow it in a way that, that you feel comfortable and, um, you know, even just promoting a healthy heart, healthy lifestyle, which is another thing we, we try to do. Like we try to share, share healthy recipes and stuff like that, because if you're not necessarily in a position to help financially, um, maybe you can help spread the word on how important it is to live a heart healthy life, to protect yourself and your children and just try to keep our hearts as healthy as possible as we eat. And I've been a guinea pig on a couple of these heart healthy recipes. So you're welcome for some of the ones that didn't work out. So the ones that are good are approved by me. So, you know, they taste good. Yeah. The one this morning, the breakfast one this good. morning that was, good. was good, but uh, didn't, yeah. But if, and I will, I was just going to add that and just talking, I mean, we have uh, got to know obviously a cardiologist in Boston and the work that he's doing, they're actually trying to figure out a way now through, everything, I guess the world's going to video games in a sense. And 
they're actually finding a way to be able to do the surgery uh, via almost a video game type thing and be actually the surgeon can go in and perform it and see how that uh, valve might work before they even go inside the body so that there's no more exploratory surgery. It's they go in, they cut down the OR time, which all doctors and all hospitals are fighting for OR time. So just in that, they're able, just the advancements in that, just the research. And that is so inspiring. And, 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 you know, he said that they all say it, I mean, children's pediatrics in general, especially in the heart are really underfunded. You know, there's the funding usually goes to adults and, and that's where all the money is and a lot of, a lot of the problems, but there's so many children now. And, and, and as she said, one in four, and that's where the need is starting to come. And if we can help raise that awareness and the research that's being done, our daughter wouldn't have survived five years earlier had they not done the research uh, in, the, in that span to, to keep her alive. So we know how critical it is. Uh, and it's something that we want to make sure we continue to push going forward. Awesome. Well, we encourage everyone to check out theheartsplaybook.com. Um, on social media, you can find all the contact information there. Um, but this is hockey for her. So we would be remiss if we didn't talk about those two topics. Nick, we already talked about how awesome Janelle is. I'm going to uh, point the finger at, at myself and also to maybe people who aren't able to be behind the scenes. I think it's easy for people to say, oh, there's the player's wives or there's the player's girlfriends. What are we missing when that group of women or partners is just classified that way? What is so special about these partners? How integral are they to the success of someone like yourself, someone like a coach, someone who's around the team? Well, they're, they wear 900 different hats. They're the motivational speaker. They're the ones that, you know, put an arm around you or give you a kick in the butt when you need one, you know, or they, they're, they're the people that really allow you to go out and perform when things, you know, Torts actually says it. And it's one thing I really respect about him. When things are good at home, it's amazing how you're able to do your job and at, at the rink. And they are such a part of that, whether it's a girlfriend, uh, a wife, uh, you know, a fiance or whatever, it, it's amazing how they have allowed us to have the success when they're close, even in the room, you know, it's amazing. That's one thing I always told Janelle and she's done it. I think it's just her personality in general, but I want our team to be as close off the ice. So the, the, the girls, especially, they need to be like sisters in a way and, and get, you know, and then have that camaraderie so that when the guys are together, that's how we feel. And we all get together as a group. And, and it's just, it's amazing how important that is. And it's so undervalued, I think, and underappreciated for, for what they bring and, uh, and how they support us and, and provide. I think a lot of times it's, you know, the back seat that they have to take in some aspects isn't really a back seat. It just looks that way because all the, like you said, all the lights on us, which it shouldn't be, but what they do behind the scenes is actually more important to our success a lot of times. And uh, I thank her every day. And, and I, you know, I'm 14 years in the league. 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, and it, I wouldn't have done that without having her. With everything we've gone through, the, the, the amount of pressure that she's been put on just from our own personal, uh, you know, things that we've had go on in our lives, uh, you need a strong woman uh, to, to be able to handle that. And uh, I can honestly say that a lot of hockey players owe it to their spouses or significant others uh, because they are definitely the one, the reason why we're able to get on that ice every day. Awesome. Well, I think that we should probably shift to hockey. And, and Nick, I didn't want you to be alone. I think I have another special guest who might be able to join us to talk about hockey. Are they here? 
Let's see if they're here. Unfortunately, they haven't shown up yet. Oh, they're coming. Okay. Well, maybe they'll show up. Maybe I've just, I've just played my hand a little too early. Then I'll pick on myself. Speaking of importance of behind the scenes, let's talk about it. What does the media get wrong about the importance of the people who are not the players on the ice in the jerseys and what stories should we be telling? And that's open to both of you. And if I write these next 10 stories over the next 10 weeks, I'll give full credit. Yeah. Um, well, I just, I think like anything as athletes, we're people. And I think a lot of times our, our job absolutely is, it needs to be highlighted, but there's just so much more that goes into it. And I think you do a great job. I think our, our media here in Columbus actually does a great job of, of finding out more. Uh, I think it's just the market that we live in. I, I think people in general in Columbus care a lot about the person, not just the athlete. They want to know what kind of person they're getting. And, and, you know, it's great what you do on the ice, but are you a good person? Do you care about our community? Are you just here for, for a flash in the pan or do you want to stay and, and be a part of Columbus? And, um, and so I think that sometimes the media forgets that there's a human behind the athlete. And I know it's our job and we get paid handsomely to, to perform, but you know, there's so much more that goes into a person. And as, and as you can see, I mean, our lives are one of 700 in the league. And so many people go through so many things or have, or have so many things that they care about and, and really mean just as much as hockey to them. And it's really neat when you start to dissect and, and pull back some layers on people that maybe you have wrong because they're guarded with media. They don't quite, you know, they're not comfortable in, in, in doing that. Oh, look at that. So I think that's really what I would like to see done more is, is get, you know, get to know the people. I think people would appreciate that too. When you're a fan I know this. I grew up a hockey fan and we all have at some point. What's, what's greater than what they do on the ice is finding out you have similarities off the ice. You have the same kind of, Oh, wow. They, you know, for a lot of people, you have a child with congenital heart defect and you have an instant connection. I want to cheer for you, you know? And it's amazing how you start to understand people a little bit better. And uh, I think it helps grow the game because not everyone falls in love with a player or the game. They might fall, or sorry, the game, they might fall in love with the player and what they represent and, I think that's such an important thing too. Well, I told you I'd bring reinforcements. We are blessed to have another prominent part of the community, someone who is an attorney, a mother of two, Natalie Atkinson, welcome. And we're thankful to have your husband, Cam, join us as well. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, we were just talking about the two topics of hockey for her. And I think we have a couple polls since we have all of you here. Uh, Jim, if you can launch the first poll, if you are an attendee, you can vote. <laughs> NHL team is your least favorite. <laughs> and if, you're, if the answer is not on that list, you can type your answer in the Q&A. I'll try and manage it. And we're going to ask Nick, Janelle, Natalie, and Cam to come up with their favorite story about the team that gets the most votes. So if everyone can vote, we'll give that a second. Hi, Cam and Nat. Hi, guys. Hi. I miss you. You guys are looking beautiful. As far away. So close yet so far. <laughs> so we did have a question from the audience while we're waiting for these poll results to run. Nick, were you truly upset at the pizza practical joke? Oh, for like about five. The funny thing about that is I'm, what was, who was I with at the time? I was trying to like get my boys fed or something. Oh, we, we had a babysitter yeah, here because was, I was out with 
um, one of the kids as our activity and he had to do this interview. So the babysitter came to take care of the other two. And these guys showed up like real early. And so I'm trying to get my sons fed and they're in my way. And, and I should have picked it up like way before they got it angled. The, the, they're like, Oh no, this, this angle is perfect. It's the front door. I'm like, why would they want to sit at the front door anyway? So at first I was actually pissed like at, at about three, four pizzas in. And then I realized after that, and then I was playing, I tried to, yeah, it was, I was mad, but Cam got me good. I'll give him that. And, uh, the best, and best part. Texting in I'll, the get back I'll get them back. I'll get them back. Cam, you already got me. So oh. I got you. That wasn't my own prank. Now I'm going to do my own prank. Right. Get ready. <laughs> um, Cam, how much planning went into that prank? That was pretty good. Honestly, it was pretty um, spur of the mat, you know, moment thing. Uh, pretty quick. Uh, Romeo's Pizza actually had the idea of doing it. I was like, let's do this. Uh, and then, of course, I had to get permission from the boss, Janelle. Yeah, that's what my wife double crossed me. That's messed up. <laughs> she wanted nothing. To, she wanted nothing to be a part of it. She she just gave me the green light. Uh, I was glad I was out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I think Nick is really mad. We're going over there right now. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> I was. I was proud of you. I was really proud of you. That was really really clever. I was loving it. Well, it should probably come as no shock to anyone on this call that Pittsburgh received the most votes as the least favorite NHL team of those in attendance tonight. Uh, so, Cam, we've already made Nick and Janelle talk quite a bit. I'll turn it to you and Natalie first. Do you have a favorite memory or story involving Pittsburgh or the Pittsburgh Penguins? Do you have one? I think my favorite was um, when... Janelle and myself and a bunch of the girls drove to Pittsburgh for that um, playoff game to support the guys. That was just a fun road trip. And um, I just miss times like that, getting to be with, you know, all the wives and girlfriends on the team and cheering on the guys. It's so different now. So that was a great memory. That's good. That's a good memory. Uh, For me, I I would say probably – uh, when we beat Pittsburgh uh, for our first ever playoff win in Columbus Blue Jackets history. Uh, luckily, I was a part of uh, when Matt Calvert scored. Um, one of those things you're going to remember forever just because you you know how the play kind of developed and then the celebration after. Uh, but I remember, obviously, once Matty Calvert scored, he kind of went uh, down the ice as fast as he could, and I, I chased him and I tackled him. Okay. And... You know, we were saying a bunch of crazy things um, in the file uh, that I'm not sure if it's appropriate to, to say, but um, one of those moments that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. Felino's favorite Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh Penguins memory. I'll let you think. I was going to echo what Nat said, but I remember we got booed when we were there. I, I don't think we were dumb enough to wear our jerseys. No, we jerseys. We didn't. We kind of we were still like excited when we scored and stuff. So people quickly figured out that we were not there for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and so we. I don't think they were very nice to us around us. So it it was kind of in a way you kind of like that because you, if you score, you're kind of rubbing it in their faces. But um, yeah, I don't. I was just so sick of the Pittsburgh Penguins because. Nick, even in Ottawa, would often be matched up against Pittsburgh. And then here it felt like they kept getting matched up against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. And so I, I'm glad to not see them 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's been some epic battles against that team, obviously, with just the hate that we have on for them. Wait, did you fight Sidney Crosby? No. No. Doobie did. did. Oh, yeah. I like that too. Yeah, yeah. We all liked when Doobie fought Sid. That was great. Uh, <laughs> No, I think there's, yeah, there's uh, probably scoring against them to beat them at, or give us our first home win was amazing feeling, you know, just to share that with the crowd and our, our own fans uh, was, was awesome. I think that team too was just, we came together at such a cool time. You know, it was a bunch of misfits. I said, we were, weren't really sure what we were and we were growing as this group. And uh, I was, I mean, like Matt, uh, like Cam said, when Matt Calvert scores in that series two to win and, uh, I was injured at the time, so I wasn't even able to celebrate with the guys. I was up in the nosebleeds or in the press box, like jumping up and down by myself. And uh, I remember being able to like actually share in that moment with the guys in, in game four was just so gratifying for me and just for the fans. I mean, seeing the people and the reaction, I think some people still say it's one of the loudest times it's ever been in, in nationwide arena. So uh, to be able to be a part of that, I think Cam and I both feel pretty special and, and, and grateful for that. Awesome. Well, we have another poll for our audience. We have people on this Zoom tonight of all levels of hockey understanding from media member who knows nothing, ha ha ha, to an experienced <laughs> fan to professional players, obviously. So if you are an attendee, please vote for which NHL rule you think. Can my wife vote for this one? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, while they vote, I'm going to ask each of you if you could, you are NHL commissioner. All right. You can make one change in the league. It can be anything. It can be travel rules. It can be an on ice rule. It can be anything. What are you going to change? Who would like to go first? I already have mine. Go. I would, I would get rid of offsides. There yeah. it is. <laughs> uh, just because I think it would, you know, we're always, the league is always looking for more offense and more score, scoring. Um, I mean, you even saw it, the, uh, couple games ago when we're in Carolina and overtime I mean they were they were off by you know a half inch but still I mean obviously we're we're happy about the situation and how obviously the the end result played out but um you know for me I think I'd be hanging all the way <laughs> by the goal <laughs> 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 <Looking> for, <laughs> I'd be covering your ass in the back <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I would get rid of I'd allow more guys to kind of get lost and leave the zone. And, uh, you know, I think obviously, you know, from an offensive standpoint, uh, you know, and I'm sure Nick can attest, like the D that's on you is going to have to respect what you're doing. So they're going to, uh, you know, they're either going to stay in the zone and, and hope that the play is going to get out or they're going to obviously um, chase you down. I think it just allows for more, you know, plays to develop and uh, more opportunities. Natalie, do you have a pick? You can make any change at all in the league. Any change. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> it definitely wouldn't be something that complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like from our side, it would be like more days off or afternoon games. Like I just yeah. thought it would be nice to have like weekend afternoon games more than or maybe have like a wives and girlfriends trip on the team plane. <laughs> it's a very like spouse response. So you yeah. more. I don't know. I uh, I don't know. That's a hard one for me. 
I'm I'm a traditionalist, so I, I like, yeah, I have a hard time with rule changing. But I, I think the one that bothers me just because it's so, it, whatever the way the ref feels, it's the over the glass call, the puck over the glass. I think you should get rid of it. So, like I mean, the delay of game yeah, like I, I yeah. just, there's so many times where it's over the glass and they don't call it or there's like, ah, it could have been. And I don't think people understand. And half the time we got guys putting their arms up way. It just looks bad. So I've, I haven't really liked that rule for a little while. So that'd probably be mine right now. Yeah. Let the record, go ahead. Tim. We're going to be like, Oh my God, I'm hemmed into the zone. I'm going to just flick it out. You know, I'm going to flip it over the glass. That's not really how it works, but <laughs> I did that in Edmonton one time. I'm a fan of netting all the way around the ring because I always get so scared that the puck's going to hit the boys. <laughs> let the record show Janelle knew the name of the rule and Nick did not. Yeah. Just let the record show. Just throwing yeah. that out there. The last <laughs> game. The last Play the game, you know. <laughs> well, I'm trying to pull up the, the, the poll results, but while we do that, I just wanted to let people know that um, there is a document at bluejackets.com forward slash hockey for her that lists all the basic rules of the game. And the poll results are this. Nick, I might make you answer this. Okay. Um, I know you had officials come in a couple years ago when this changed. People wanted to understand the rules around the face-offs and when you get thrown off and the counting and on all of that. Can you explain those rules to the attendees? Yeah. Cause I have a great view of when Boone gets kicked out 75% of the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so basically the face-off guidelines say that there's this red circle, obviously, and there's these white, and it's hard to see probably from, but there's these white little dots on, on either side, white little half moons almost on the either side. And what you're supposed to do is the defensive forward uh, centerman is supposed to put his stick down first and not move. And then the offensive forward is supposed to put his stick down in that little white area. And then about a second later, the, the ref will drop the puck. What a lot of times happens is as soon as everyone's always trying to cheat. So a lot of times what will happen is the guy will go to, you know, put his stick down. The other guy will move quickly. Then the ref puts his hand out and kicks the guy out. So you see a lot of these, she didn't even probably understand it for a while. She's like, why do they keep getting up and moving around and, and then also as wingers, you can't really be inside the circles either. There's little hash marks that you have to stay outside of. And if you drift in, the ref can kick you out as well, which makes the centerman have to come out. So it is probably confusing for a first time fan. For us, for a while, it was confusing trying to get our understanding of, okay, first guy down, can't move. I remember the first time it came in, there was a lot of penalties in that first exhibition season. And it was driving guys crazy because we didn't understand, you know, you couldn't move. Uh, now we've gotten it, but it's come back to cheating so much that usually the best players that, you know, the ones that can cheat the best out of the best face-off guys. So uh, you have to work your way. I always tell that to our young guys. I'm like, you're never going to get a call. Patrice Bergeron or, you know, a guy who's been in the league for 14, 15, 16 years, he's going to get all the favoritism. So just work your way up and pray that you can uh, snap a few back. But it is a, it is a confusing rule, but it's, I think it helps. Honestly, I think it helps create a little bit more offense, actually, because in the defensive zone, you really don't have the advantage of trying to cheat. You, you really, they really make you as a defensive forward, put your stick down and keep it there, and it gives the advantage to the offensive team. So now you have some, some chances to, to play in the offensive zone more. Awesome. Well, we want to make sure we make the most of our time. And we said this is hockey for her, so we've talked hockey. Now we have to talk women around hockey. Um, and Natalie, I'll, I'll – Ask this to you first, you know, if 
as we women walk into a rink, we don't necessarily see a lot of women um, outside of the stands. And what do you think we, be it fans, be it organizations, be it the league, can do or should do to give more opportunity to increase the presence of women in and around the sport of hockey? I actually think um, when you played in that all-star game where mm -hmm. they had the um, Kendall, women's right? hockey league players, yeah. which one was that? Two years yeah. ago, yeah. Uh, yeah, in San Jose, it was just so cool to like see them on the ice and with the guys too. Like Cam was so nervous he was going to get matched <laughs> up against one of them and he was going to lose. I so I think like involving maybe, you know, the, the women's league more in other events and even like throughout the season, I think that would be really cool and maybe a way to interest more women. Janelle, how about for you? You do have a daughter coming up and, you know, there's that saying, what you see, you think you can become. How do we show our young women, our young girls, that there is a spot for them in this sport outside of maybe just watching the game as a fan? And, and how do we see it happen, actually? Yeah, Nick and I have had this conversation in the past as we've um, you know, even as I was watching some of the pregame stuff, they were interviewing some women hockey players. And so it sparked some conversation and just seeing, like Nat said, those women in those positions, whether it be on the ice or behind the bench, Nick and I have talked about like having women in coaching positions and you see them a lot in announcer positions now too. And you can really hear that they obviously know a lot about the game and, um, for me and hopefully for the young girls too, you can aspire to be like that or, you know, you understand that it's not just the men who know what they're talking about when it comes to sports. There's so many women who do. And, and I think it's becoming more and more common and hopefully it trends in that direction um, than it used to be. Even when you first came in the league, I don't even yeah. remember a lot of, a lot of female faces, but um you know, and that goes with any sport and just any um, job even. So just us up and lift ourselves up as women to aspire to be anything regardless of gender. Natalie, to that point, you know, this is, this is an issue outside of just hockey. What is your advice to young women, be it in hockey or maybe they're aspiring to something where maybe doors aren't opening as readily as they'd expect? How can we stay strong? How can we push through to cement our place as women, wherever we want to be, regardless of if it's been predominantly men or, or another majority in the past? Yeah, I mean, Kim and I have talked about this. Um, <clears throat> I've actually always loved the CBA and as an attorney. And I told Cam, like, I would have loved to be like an agent, like a sports <laughs> agent, even though it's like a male dominated field. I think that having a woman's perspective and you know, just because there aren't a lot of women doesn't mean women can't do it. And just being a trailblazer and, you know, just whatever you want, you should just go for. Cam, are you going to be changing agents to Natalie Atkinson? I would hire my, uh, <laughs> I, I pay a lot less uh, percentage wise. Um, yeah, but no, I, I was going to kind of joke around with what Janelle said about, uh, when Nick, you, you guys talked about, it. I was going to say back in the 1900s when Nick came into the league. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll just piggyback off what the girl said. And obviously it's all about opportunity, right? So I think girls uh, deserve a lot more opportunity and uh, a lot more face time. And I'd much rather have a, 
a lady coach than torts. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. It's just more opportunity. And I think you've kind of seen it over the course of the last couple of years, especially like Nat said at the all-star game, um, you know, you see, you see girls obviously uh, on NBC sports doing interviews and uh, play by play and stuff like that. And I think it's going to continue to grow. And I think it's only a matter of time before we see, um, you know, lady coaches. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Excellent. Natalie made a great point and Janelle, I'd love your thoughts on this. What can women's perspective, and, and I even hate stereotyping it that way, but what can women's perspective bring to some of these roles that have been historically male dominated? We've heard about coach, we've heard about agent, but have there been times, and I'm not asking for specifics, but you know, I think a woman might've been able to see this a little more fully or a little bit differently to handle that situation. Yeah, that is a great question. I feel like women and men naturally, I think, think a little bit differently. Um, and what? maybe maybe that's a generalization, but um, just comparing even you and I, like women are, you know, whether they're a mother or a sister or a caretaker or daughter, like they just have a lot of, of perspectives that obviously men just don't have because they've never been in our shoes. And so they they can bring that maybe a little bit more of a nurturing side and um, actually my cousin and I often talk about something we call them surrounding thoughts and so like a, a woman in general I think has to have a lot more awareness just the way the world has gone we have to be a little bit more aware of everything that goes on around us and so it, translating that in different parts of our lives whether it's in coaching or um, consulting or anything like that. Like we have these surrounding thoughts where like some, a situation happens, but you, you're now, you think about everything that surrounds that and how it can affect you and how it can affect other people around you. Whereas I think just the way the world has gone, men can just kind of flow through a little bit easier than women do. So we um, have those maybe surrounding thoughts that may, might not have been thought about um, by a man maybe. So it just brings that a little bit different perspective. This may be a loaded question. I'll ask Cam and Nick. So many things, not just hockey, but are, are merit-based, right? You don't, it's very rare that you come right into the NHL. You work your way up through a minor league or a development league. When we talk about women taking positions of leadership or positions of power, you know, we do see some women's skills coaches with some teams. We do have some female agents do you think women are going to have to follow that same developmental path to be respected? Or do you think they're going to be able to jump in at certain levels? How is that change going to be accepted or what do we have to do to, to make that change be respected? Well, sorry if I'm jumping you, Cam, but I just think uh, like anything, I think a lot of times grassroots has to start there, you know, and, and, and that's really where the change happens. And I was, you know, Jen and I really, you know, especially having a daughter, it's amazing how my mind's changed. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. She's right. You know, I think a lot of times you think in a different way, but now as a, as a father of a girl, uh, it's opened my eyes up to so many things that she has to go through that I never even thought of, you know, and that's one of them is, you know, whatever opportunity that she wants is it there for her at a grassroots level? Is it there for her at an age where she can learn something where I had it when I was, you know, three years old, or is it normal? Is there other girls around that can, she can gravitate to, you know, is that even a possibility? So I think for us to start seeing management uh, coaches, 
I want to start seeing it at, at a level where who cares what the age or what the demographics is of the kids is the, is it a female coach? Wonderful. You know, is, is, and, and can we get it into colleges? Can we get it into junior hockey and grow it from there? Because if it becomes normal from there. Look how it's working in the world. If it becomes normal there, they grow up with it. And now it's normal as, as an adult and it's becoming, you know, look at the way our grandparents used to think our parents used to think, look how we think. So that's where I think the change has to start coming from. And, and I really hope that I can help be part of that as I've become more educated, as we've all become more educated. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to that. So, you know, it, it, it'll be really interesting to see if we can put some sort of program in place. There's coaches clinics all over the world. My dad being a coach, I see all these coaches clinics and I would love to, you know, I asked him, I actually asked him, are there women that attend? He goes, very, very few, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, that's this, like, it's disappointing because I'm sure there's a really uh, an incredible amount of women coaches that, you know, should have that opportunity. Or do you start off with just a women's coaches clinic? It's brought on by the NHL. And so they can understand the mindset. And I just said like, that, you know, I get it. The NHL is a, is a, a man league. I like guess, it, you know, it's men and that that's, but um, a hockey mind doesn't, doesn't matter what sex you are, you know, and look at you, you're living through, you see the game with your analytics and the way you see the game so different from me and anyone else. And no, you have a, a it's a brilliant way of looking at the game. It really is. That's why we enjoy Cam and I don't really enjoy talking to a lot of the media. We actually enjoy talking to you. Thank you. You look at the game. <laughs> Checks in the mail. <laughs> you, know, and you must feel it. You must look around the room and feel it. Right. And I, and I think that's so important for you to start having a, to be able to look around the room and see more women and, and have those really uh, incredible questions being asked again and have that because it's so engaging. And, and, you know, you, you make us sometimes look at the game a lot differently when you start breaking down things. I'm like, my God, that is insane. Or I'm, wow, I'm way better than I told, you know? So <laughs> I really do. And I, I know I went on a tangent, but I just, I really hope, that we can start getting in the grassroots and, and actually have the right people putting programs in place. I think that's where it starts. There has to be a, a selflessness again of, you know, our, our league, us as players, trying to figure out ways to get that done because I think it's only going to make our, our it shouldn't scare anybody. It's going to make our game better, you know? And, and that's what I want. I think that's what everyone wants. And, you know, I get that maybe you're not going to see a girl playing Maybe we are one day going to see a girl playing in the NHL. I don't know if that ever happens, but it, there should be coaches. There should be management at, at the very least. And, you know, I, I don't think anyone can argue with hockey minds. And they're, they're, like I said, they're, they're, there should be no discrimination on that. And Cam, before you talk, I'll give you kudos too. You've had members of the Ohio State women's team out at, at Battery Hockey, leading clinics, leading drills. And I think that's been incredible. Any thoughts you'd like to add on, on growing diversity, maybe not even just women, but diversity across the board in the game? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to obviously make that everything you said was spot on. Uh, but like I keep saying, it's all about opportunity. Uh, and I think people adapt pretty quickly, uh, no matter what their circumstances, especially if something is you're not familiar with something. So, I, I mean, I would assume that if there was a, a girl coach, you know, it might be a little different obviously or weird at first but like i said people adapt i think people really embrace it i mean you're seeing it at all different professional sports nba uh, nfl uh, obviously college sports march madness i mean you're seeing it all over um so it's i think it's only a matter of time before you see it all you know obviously in the nhl and obviously the trickle down effect in the ahl and college and juniors and that sort of thing but 
Um, you know, obviously at the batter, I think that's one of the most important things that we've, we've tried to uh, bring into the facility is just opportunity. And, and there's so many little girls that are just trying to figure out how to skate. I mean, obviously your best friend, Natalie. Um, yeah, her little girl's doing a learn to skate. Yeah, and she didn't know how to skate. Uh, at all. And then, you know, she's sending us videos within a week uh, and it's all about repetition. And the more you get on the ice, obviously the better you're going to be. That's like what it's like in any sport. Um, but it's just getting the girls and, you know, getting whoever out there um, on the ice and, um, you know, giving them confidence and making them feel good about themselves and just repetition. I think the more opportunities, the more people get excited about it. And uh, I mean, that's what it's all about. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, we do have a prize to announce, but I want to give the women on this call the last word. Um, Natalie, to you first. Again, just we have so many participants on the Zoom call tonight, people who know hockey at so many different levels. What are your words of encouragement to people who are growing in their love and their following of the game, particularly if they are maybe someone who's not a white male? <laughs> I mean, I will say like I'm not really like a sports fan. <laughs> I'm more of like a reality TV fan. So, but I've watched apparently over 600 hockey games. So, you know, as you just continue to watch and enjoy it, I mean, hockey is just such a cool, fast paced sport. And um, I definitely have grown to love it. I was, I'm a Florida girl, so I never, definitely never thought I'd marry a hockey player. But <laughs> here we are. Here we like, are. I guess just keep watching and enjoying and just it's fun to learn and I'm still learning rules I mean same <laughs> like the four check and back check still confuses me that's because you never see cam back check <laughs> watch me and you'll understand <laughs> Janelle what what words of encouragement do you have for our fellow female fans who might be on the call tonight yeah just to echo what Nat said just and also finding like-minded you mentioned it you know finding like-minded women and coming together with them and and discovering the game more um you know building that camaraderie together and it's fun like we have it with the wives and the girlfriends where that's you know nobody else knows that life or or hockey the way that we do as a group and so you can find your friend groups or different you know, groups of women together where you can enjoy that together. And it's something different than maybe any of your other friend groups. And you can um, go to games together and just never stop learning and watching, I guess. Um, I'm still learning and watching. And I remember his mom um, before she passed saying to me, like, because she was a hockey wife too. And, and she told me like, You'll never escape it. It will be on all the time. It will be talking about all the time. This is a hockey family. And so just really like being surrounded by it and, and learning from it. And that's for anybody, any fan that can participate in that. And it's just so fun. Like it's, it's different than anything else. And I feel anyways, different than any other sport you watch. Um, like Nat said, it's fast paced and just being able to, um, watch that and, and have fun and energy in the building or at home or when you're watching from a restaurant or something in previous times, but <laughs> making the most of it and, and hopefully growing it from there. I have a really real quick story. I know we got to go, but 
speaking of my mom, this sums up, I think, hockey for her and, and my mom. Uh, so my brother, my sisters, and I all played hockey at one point in our lives, and my dad was coaching. And so in the morning, my brother had a game. My mom went to. My dad had a game that night, so he wasn't around. Uh, my sisters played in, like, the early afternoon, so she went to that game. I played right before my dad's game at the arena and my dad's game at night. So she was in the <laughs> arena the whole day. Pretty and I'll never forget, we got home from my dad's game. We left around the second period. And she, uh, she like, we're older, so she she goes, all right. And we're like, get, just get in the door. We're dropping our stuff. She's like, all right, I'm pouring myself a glass of wine. <laughs> and I don't want to see anyone until tomorrow. <laughs> and she shut her door, and we didn't see her. And so, yeah. The lady that breathed it still needed her time away from it, but I mean, she absolutely loved it. And it's just, uh, it's a testament to her and obviously the game. Well, and just the hockey moms, I think there might be some hockey moms yeah. on, on the call too. Like I'm starting to see it. Our son Landon plays and it's his first year. So we're really not in the rink all that much, but we'll see some of these moms and dads that are in the rink, like Nick said, all day they're taking, you know, three of their kids running them around and stuff. And so um, it's, it's awesome to see that, that people are fostering this love of hockey yeah, too. Absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest fans in our families are your mom, your grandma, <laughs> my mom now too. I mean, they're sending us like tweets. about <laughs> <laughs> Like they think they have all the NHL gossip. I mean, it's so fun. So um <laughs> they're all they're all gms at the end of the day they are yeah uh but yeah they're definitely our biggest supporters um i grew up with five brothers and obviously we have two young kids and you know uh nick and janelle have their their three kids as well but we're not quite at that age yet where we're traveling with them but i don't know how our parents you know nick were able to just i mean i, I able to travel to this, this game and that game and uh, luckily I was able to play up with one of my older brothers, but, um, I mean, it's just, I don't know how they did it. It's, uh, because women are saints. <laughs> yeah. I guess women rule the world. Uh, there it is. Celine Dion, all those three hour car rides. Listen to this. Oh my God. Oh, Nick. Oh, Nick. <laughs> well, with that, we will, we will bring this session to a close. Great. Thank you so much, Allison. And, you know, that hour flew by so fast. Like, I just want to keep chatting with, with everyone. Um, I even learned a couple of things and heard some fun stories. So I, I like that story about your mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was actually a bottle of wine. It wasn't a glass. <laughs> yeah, she sounds like my kind of girl. <laughs> I love it. Well, I hope that um, our attendees enjoyed uh, the last hour and hearing from our guests. Um, hope they even learned a little bit about hockey. I know the rules of our game sometimes can trip people up. Um, so thank you for all of that. Um, so on behalf of the organization, I'd once again like to say thank you to our moderator, Allison Lucan, our special guests, Nick and Janelle Foligno, our cameo guests, uh, Natalie and Cam Atkinson. Um, thank you all for your time this evening. And of course, thank you to our partner, Myers Jewelers. So, you know, whether you're a new fan or a hockey expert, um, you know, thank you to all of our attendees for sharing the last hour with us as we celebrate women in hockey. And we can't wait to be able to do this again in person. So everybody stay safe and go Jackets.
That is Hockey for Her, presented by Myers Jewelers. I'm Bob McElligot, reminding you to subscribe to CBJ Radio so that you get all of our Blue Jackets podcasts. And once you do, please give us a rating and a review.